If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Nation, welcome back to another episode of Full Court Press. I believe this is episode 22. That's what I entitled it. So we'll run with that. We're calling this one King of New York. Um, as always, I'm joined by Joel and Jawan. What's up, Joel? What's good? The Kings of New York are here. Imagine. <laughs> <laughs> y'all don't even live in New York, man. Fuck y'all. No, well, that's Jawan, what's <laughs> Tuan, <laughs> what's up, man? I'm ready to destroy LeBron James. <laughs> All right. Well, without further ado, then, let's get into it. we got some NBA beef, and I love this. I love it. Um, it's like the second or third time already this year we've got like, some, some little tussles on the court, and uh, this has kind of been the one that's made the most uh, most headlines because of um, of course, it involving LeBron James. Look at him; he's going off right now, like just complaining. Yeah, and he's got that look on his face, like motherfucker. Um, anyway, uh, Nilkeen ain't taking her shit off LeBron. He didn't care who he is. Um, and Cantor is bar none the best teammate in the NBA. Like I'll never forget when Russ Westbrook um, – was walking back to the bench, you know, when they were trying to come back against the Warriors, and he says, I'm coming, I'm coming, and then KD tries to yap back. Cantor's in street clothes. He ain't even he ain't even got a jersey on. He's he's the first one to walk out there. Like, what, motherfucker? Like, do something. <laughs> I love it, dude. I love it. And it's Cantor. Um, but anyway, so, of course, we all know the fate. The Knicks lost the game. But did they win the night? Um, and by that, I mean... Um, is this a situation where obviously they blew, I think, a 23-point lead, which sucks, um, especially for you you guys. Um, but, uh, I mean, you got to feel positive about that game, right? Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to you first, Juwan, since uh, you want to you wanna, uh, <laughs> crucify LeBron James. <laughs> yeah, any chance I get. Um I see what you I see what you're saying, but the way I look at it is uh trying to find uh the the positive in the fact that we lost or like a moral victory. Uh I don't believe in any of that. Uh mainly because if Cleveland looked like uh you know how we expected them to look going into the season and the Knicks did that, then I completely I completely even even in us giving up that lead, I go, Well listen, they were in it, they showed heart you know, it came down to the line. 
But the fact that the Cavs are playing so horribly and are defending the three so horribly, uh, the fact that the Knicks were up heading into the fourth by 23 points and squandered that lead, I can't say they won the night or even look at that optimistically. Uh, I will say um, a few things uh, contributed to them losing outside of Corver and LeBron and the fact that everyone just decided to start hitting out of nowhere. Um, if you're Jeff Hornacek, you cannot take out your hot players um, while they're hot. You just can't. You, put, you keep your foot on their throat. If it was like, if they were up 23 with like two minutes to go, that's when you start to take the guys out. The crowd gives them a standing O, and that's all she wrote. If the fourth is just starting, those guys cannot be sitting. Joel, I think you remember this as well as I do. Uh, the playoffs against the Pacers, game six, I believe it was, when Mike Woodson took out Copeland and Shumpert, who were on yep. fire that mm. game, to put in a horrible JR and a horrible Jason Kidd. I, I couldn't understand it. That single-handedly lost us that game. Uh, Nick, Nick uh, Shumpert and Copeland had made that comeback for us. Woodson benches them for a horrible JR uh, during that playoff stretch and a Jason kid who couldn't buy a shot. Um, it reminded me of that. If your guys are hot, you keep them in. You ride that momentum. Uh, also, last night was not, a, was not a statement game for, for KP. I was looking for him to have his name all over that game, uh, and he didn't. For someone that the crowd is chanting MVP for, games like that you have to wake up for. Those other games where you're doing that to, to Charlotte or you're doing that to those other guys, I need that game to be the one that you're giving us 34, 11, and, and, and 6 for. Um, but as far as uh, the, the beef, LeBron is possibly the softest, greatest player I've ever seen in my life. I, I don't even know how those I like words. that. Form together. It but seems oxymoronic, but that's a good description of LeBron James. It does. Mm, he is the softest. <laughs> he, and the reason why I say that is the NBA protects him. Now, I know a lot of people are going to go, oh, well, they did it for Jordan. Only difference is Jordan had no problem punching you in your face at 3 o'clock <laughs> and then reporting to do a Nike commercial at 6. That, that didn't blur the lines of those two. LeBron... Like, what I thought of when I saw that whole shoving match was, <clears throat> excuse me, when LeBron instigated that whole Draymond Green thing in the finals two years ago, mm. uh, and the fact that everyone looked at it like, oh, well, Draymond was in the wrong. He wasn't. LeBron initiated that knowing how hot-headed Draymond was and that if he got him right. suspended, that's a game for Cleveland, that next game. They felt like if Draymond wasn't in there, they could take that next game because Draymond was eating up Kevin Love down low. Kevin Love just yeah. couldn't stand with Draymond. So LeBron is very intelligent. That's why I said he's the softest, greatest player I've ever seen. That was a punk move. Really? And then everyone keeps saying Frank got in his way. The ball fell. Frank went right for the ball, went to grab Who it. Said LeBron that? bumped into him. Oh, almost everybody on these sports stations and then a couple of people on different pages that were coming to LeBron's oh, defense. Oh, yeah, all um, the LeBron Frank, defenders, man. Well, I bet I, you I, Colin Coward spearheaded the campaign. <laughs> well, him and, and Stephen A., honestly. Um, he oh, went yeah. For the, Frank went for the he ball. He got in the way. And, 
once LeBron bumped into him once, all LeBron had to do if if you know if this wasn't LeBron trying to trying to punk out the rookie, move right out of his way. You see, he's going for the ball. That's all Frank was doing. Frank wasn't looking to send a message to LeBron. The kid's like 18, 19 years old. He could care less about LeBron's words. Uh, and LeBron decided. And by the way, what we were talking about before the show started, I don't think LeBron's comments were to Phil because I think he knows for a fact. Phil doesn't give six fucks what LeBron thinks about his drafting process or his drafting ideas. LeBron said that to get some traction ahead of a, a, a game against the Knicks in the garden that he loves to play in. He was just causing controversy like LeBron always does, like he oh, always yeah. does. Just like when he posted the photo of, uh, you know, of him claiming to be the king of New York, that was him grasping for attention and like I told you guys at the start of this season, what did I say when you asked me who did I think the MVP would be and why? I told you he is creating a sob story. He is creating a, a scenario to where these writers, you know, because his numbers are up there for MVP. His, his wins just aren't up there, but we, we really assume not. that'll change. <laughs> we assume that, yeah, that's, that's right. We assume the wins will, will start to change before the end of the year. They won't be a losing team. But I said he loves to spin the narrative. Um, I, I respect Cantor for not letting um, not letting that pop. Honestly, because everyone keeps going, oh, you know, that's what the Knicks have been needing. What I keep trying to remind people is Melo didn't let that shit pop either. Do we not forget KP's first year where that guy from the Suns was trying to punk him out and Melo was the first person over there? Like, no, 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 that doesn't go down here. You don't, you don't pick on him like that. The Knicks have always had that, you know, Mm-mm. When they had respectable teams, they've always had that that guy that kind of just wasn't letting things things go. I needed somebody. I needed the Knicks to have somebody that would have slapped LeBron in his mouth. That's what I was looking for. <laughs> we know Cancer's not going to do that. You wanted Charles Ugly to come and make an appearance. I want, yeah. I wanted, don't do that no I more. Wanted, I wanted Dolan to lift that band that he had on 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 Oakley, so Oakley could come out and just elbow LeBron right in the throat. Not even in the, just in the throat to send a clear message. This is not how New York, you know, how how it goes down in New York. You don't punk anybody from New York. But to close it, I will say LeBron is the softest, greatest player ever. Uh, huge shout out to Frank. We are happy with Frank. Dennis or whatever his name is, Smith Jr. can be over there dropping 90 a game as the Mavericks lose every last one of them. We enjoy <laughs> having Frank here in a winning, you know, to help produce a winning culture. He is a great uh, compliment to, to KP. And we're fine over here, LeBron. You worry about your team that's struggling and your flight ticket to L.A. next year. <laughs> and uh, just a, a quick update, they – uh, got off to a very early, I want to say, 13-point lead against Charlotte. They're down by six going into the halftime. Um, so, yeah, I think I think LeBron probably does need to uh, worry about his uh, own affairs, if you will. Um, but uh, you didn't answer my first question, though, Juwan. Uh, who's the king of New York? Oh, the king of New York? Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, well, first of all, it's definitely not Porzingis. Uh, if we're talking period and not just somebody who plays for the Knicks, the yeah, king of no, the I'm king of New period. York. Is, I'm talking just the king oh, of New York. Who is it? Oh, king of New York is without a doubt Michael Jordan. 
without a doubt. And I'd say second on that Ooh. list is, is Kobe Bryant. I'd say second on that list is Kobe Bryant. But Wait, LeBron hold on, hold on. Let me clarify. I'm not even talking about it has to be a basketball player. I'm saying oh. what person is the king of New York? Oh. Anybody. You can name anybody. Oh, all right. Then, uh, uh, we'll come back to you on that. Well, Joel. <laughs> yeah, come uh, back to me. Come back to me. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll bring it back around. Um, Joel, uh, pretty much the same question. Uh, but, I mean, do you think we'll, – we'll call it this. I mean, Jawan uh, kind of um, alluded to it. Do you look at what happened yesterday as any kind of moral victory um, as far as, you know, this team really being tight and coming together um, and really having each other's back? And it's not – it's not – and I'm not um, – I want to clarify, I'm not trying to say that's not a typical thing for Knicks squads to have. What I'm saying is the last couple years have been atypical because of all the drama that's gone on, and they look like they're back to true New York Knicks form um, uh, as of as of what we've seen uh, from the beginning of this season. So, um, you know, what, if anything, do you take away as a positive from that, and if, if anything? Um, and uh, just, you know, what do you, what do you think about – that game and where the Knicks are at right now. I I agree with like ninety percent of what Jawan said. <laughs> like uh, I don't really believe in no. After what I you know that game, after everything he did, everything he said, and the way he tried to punk us, and for us to come down to have be up twenty three and lose that game, he fucking won that game. He ended up winning that that battle. So for me, there's no moral victory in that. You got punked. You got punked and then lost. So that's ten times. I felt like shit after that game because we should have won that game. You're up 23. You don't lose that game. But LeBron decided, you know, I want to be playoff LeBron for one night at least, just like I said, the king of New York. Because everyone started, you know, going on fire, and he's like, I want to just you know, ride my dick out. And that's just how his attitude was the whole game after that. And it was annoying, <laughs> but that's how he is, and he can turn it on. And that just shows you. And that boy just on autopilot most of the time, which is annoying. <laughs> but that's how it is during the regular season. And this team is playing really well. They showed it last night. Oh, well, not last night, two nights ago. They showed it during that game. Um, they have the ability to do it. And, yes, even though I, I don't consider that a moral victory, I'm very upset by that loss, and they did ch- technically get punked. I was happy with what I'm seeing out of some of these guys. I really am. And especially Enos Cannon. I'm gonna let me hold on. I'm gonna find a quote. This is not something players in general do in this league anymore. But it's this attitude that needs to come back, especially to this city, because we don't get it anymore. I, that, look, the banana boat shit ain't working for me. I need some niggas that don't want to. They don't want to be friends no more. You know what I mean? So here's Enos right. Cannon. Last <laughs> night, right? Watch. Don't be friendly. Don't shake nobody's hand. Don't smile because those guys are your enemy. They're not your friends. That is how it should be. I ain't God damn right. I ain't boys around the court. You know what I mean? This is how it is. That's how it should be. We could be best friends after. But right now, I'm going to punch you in the face if I have to. And that's just how it is. And that's how the attitude yeah. in this city was back in the 90s. And now, we don't see that as often as we used to. It's just a lot of, like, slapping butts and hugging and shit. I like what he did. He defended his rookie. That's what he's supposed to do. I mean, that's just how it is. The rookie gets punked or tries to get punked, and, and Frank stood up for himself. But Enos, yeah, he did. Defense, and you knew he was. 
and he didn't stay shut the whole night. He was still yapping, and he was yapping afterwards, even though they lost. But that that kind of attitude is needed, and they and that's a good, it's good for the team as a whole because that's good to see that he's not gonna be, he's not gonna let them get pumped, even though they kind of de- technically did. They came up short. Casey didn't have a good game. He didn't have a good game. It wasn't a terrible game, but it wasn't a good game. He was coming up clutch. He's been coming up like look, today too. Today he's kind of coming up a little soft. But that's just how it is. I mean, they're going to come into these road. Like, right now, it's a bumpy road. The last two games, um, they would start off good, and then they let it fall apart. And right now, they started bad, but they're climbing back. But they got to stick to it. So, for me, KP is the man in New York right now. He really is his team. He has to take, take that responsibility, and he has been doing it. He just has to keep doing it consistently. I think he can. But it's not going to be easy. And, he, and look, you're seeing it today. You saw the the game before. It's not going to be easy for. It's not easy for anybody to do with the NBA. But they got to play hard. You can't give them confidence buckets. You can't, I can't tell you how many times I watch a game and somebody gets a three and they just they're just caught. You can see the ego. Their heads blow up as they start making shots. And that's where runs start. You got to nip that in the butt early. And sometimes with a timeout, sometimes you just got to let it play out. It's just frustrating. I'm just upset right now. <laughs> well, I mean. Really, really quick, Nick. That that was the biggest problem I had with Jeff uh, being up 23. When they cut that 23 to about 15, there should be a timeout in between there. It shouldn't be they got it to 10 and then five, and now it's an urgency of taking a timeout. You have to right. stop that momentum before it even starts. And I know sometimes you, you know you think your players can play through it, but you got to remember. Most of this team is very young. It is very right. difficult yep. this early for them to be able to play through that. So you as a mm-hmm. coach have to have the, the, the knowledge to know, all right, well, it doesn't look like they're playing through it. It went from 23 to 15. Maybe let's cut that momentum in half a little bit, try to get these guys calmed down, maybe get a, a better uh, lineup in there um, to, to slow this, this, this momentum down of these guys. But the fact that he didn't do it, like I said, it's, I put a little bit on KP. I put a lot on, on the head coach. And like I said, it's hard to say that they weren't punked because when you're up 23 by a guy who's trying to punk you, and then he goes and has the shot of the night, which, by the way, uh, I do want to add, KP should have taken the Greg Popovich route. LeBron usually, when he's left wide open, overthinks shots, and usually nine times out of ten misses that shit. It's when you play up on him that somehow he gets, like, this superhero ability. Yeah, he gets that superhero ability to where he's going to cash that in nine times out of ten. Greg Popovich said he used to tell Kawhi when they played in the – you make him – you force him to make those kind of shots. And what happens? A lot of the time in those two back-to-back finals, LeBron wasn't hitting those those, those, uh, wide-open threes. So, I mean, it's just a, a live and learn. I will say the biggest thing that scares me is, we don't see that team again until the last two games of the NBA yeah. season. We play them back-to-back uh, the last two games of the season. So I hope that our season doesn't rely on winning those two games because LeBron's going to remember all this, and he'll make sure to but keep he got the far sense. away from the playoffs. Exactly. Well, and not that, to mention that, they'll have IT back by then, so that'll be a different team yeah. to play yeah. too. Well, that's what I'm saying. This yeah. team well, – what's what had to be frustrating for Cavs fans, like, where the fuck is that all year? Like, play like that. If you can play like that, you ain't losing games. They were fucking hot, and they were defending. That's how they should play. That's how they should well, play. Well, that's LeBron how they started play like the Charlotte that. game. I mean, yeah. they, well, they only allowed, like, six points <laughs> for the first maybe 
eight minutes of the game that Charlotte right. had six points. I don't remember exactly what the time frame was, but then, you know, like, I, I don't know, 10 minutes later, I look up and they, Charlotte has the lead, like, and they were in it. And yeah. part of it was the fact that Cleveland was playing great defense early on in this game. Um, but yeah, they just lack any amount of consistency for sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's just effort and consistency. Like you can't, you can't yeah. allow Batum to, to cut, um, you know, behind like, and get wide open. Yeah. Batum's back. He's playing great, man. He, I think he had last mm-hmm. I checked, he had eight points. He probably has more now. Um, but yeah, but this oh. is Batum's first oh, game oh, back shit. in the season. Welcome back, Nicholas Batum. We're big fans of Batum. Uh, over yeah. here at Full Court Press, um, very, very great all-around player, very versatile player, um, big fan. You were great for my fantasy team last year. Thank you so much, sir. Um, uh, but anyway, uh, l- let me let me just add a little bit to what you guys said because I think Joel, you were kind of spotlighting the highlights of what I was getting at. Why I think, like. There's a reason why they call it a moral victory. It's not really a victory. I get what you guys are saying. Like, you don't like the terminology, et cetera, et cetera. Um, But, I mean, I do think that's such a positive sign to see your team not unified, um, to see Frank just, like, not let LeBron try to get get in his head. Like, just, he's like, no, dude, get get out of my way. And he made sure LeBron got out of his way before he went to go get the ball. And, like, that's exactly what you want to see from your point guard. That is the difference between a quiet guy like Nilekina and a quiet guy like Lonzo Ball. And I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and say that, you know, Lonzo Ball is going to be a bust, whatever, but I do think he needs to be more aggressive. I think he needs that. You can be quiet. You don't have to be a loudmouth to be aggressive. Like, the the two are not, um, you know, tied together at the hip or whatever. Um, but you, you just you have to have the ability to hey stand up for yourself, not take any shit off anybody, and you know do what needs to be done for your team. Um, and then you know in comes uh, Cantor because I mean he's that guy. And I, too, I'm with you, Joel. I love the fact that he's like, you know what? Like, no, like, this, that's the enemy over there. Like, I don't, I don't play that. I ain't, like, and I think a big part of that, too, um, has to do with, you know, Cantor not being an American-born basketball player, being from Turkey. Um, you know, he didn't grow up in the AAU circuit. These aren't guys that he's known his whole life. So it's probably a little easier for him to take that approach and, and, and to, you know, really kind of focus in. But, like, man, when I played basketball, like, I had friends on the other side of the court, and I talked shit to them, and I said, oh, you ain't going to guard me? And if I would drain a three, you know, I'd be like, well, you should have guarded me. You know, like, I, I was a different person when I was on that basketball court. I was not the same. And then when the game would be over – you know, I'd go up to them and be like, good game, blah, 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 yeah, what have you. But while that game is going on, they are not your friends. They, you know, so you you taunt them. You try to get in their heads. You do everything that you can do. Um, and, you know, and if if it comes to it, you get in their face and you tell them to back the fuck up. And I love it. I love that Cantor did that. Um, I just, I man, I've, I've liked Cantor for a long, long time now. Um 
In fact, I was I was kind of hoping uh, the Hawks would pick him up back when um, all of the um, Al Horford uh, stuff was going on. I was kind of hoping we trade uh, trade Horford for for Cantor, um, and you know, because I think Horford would have would have obviously he played for Billy Donovan back in uh, back in his days, and that would have maybe been enough to keep the, you know, the Westbrook and, and Katie together and all that, but nah, who knows. Um, but nevertheless, like I've, I've always been a huge, huge fan of Cantor. He doesn't play a lick of defense, but man, the guy's feisty, he's fierce, he's great offensive talent. Um, and he's just the, the perfect locker room guy to me. Um, but no, I like it. I like, I like this team. I like the fabric. I like, you know, everything that, I feel like should represent a New York Knicks team is represented in this team. Um, and then real quickly, um, LeBron, you ain't the king of New York. Everybody knows who the fucking king of New York is. Y'all can tell me if you think it's somebody different, but Spike Lee is the king of New York. That motherfucker goes to every <laughs> single game. He's there. He's the mascot. He's, yes, exactly. It's Spike Lee. Spike Lee is the king of New York. Like, he's the guy. <laughs> he's the man. Um, that is who I look at, and I'm like, that's the king of New York. Um, born and bred, like, he's, he's as much a part of that city as it's a part of him. Um, and, yeah, that's that's the king of New York. Um you know, like it, 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 and Chris, Chris Stapps is the prince. You know, he could be the prince of New York. Spike Lee is the king of New York. <laughs> the prince of New York. I feel like that. The prince, French prince. Hey, you know, or the the Latvian prince. <laughs> the Latvian, um, Latvian royalty. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Frustrating. It's frustrating. <laughs> but I, I'm excited. I'm excited for what it could be. I like the youth, man. And like even the guys that are like young vets, as I like to call them, like uh, a Canner or a McDermott. I like what they brought to the team. I mean, I you know they when you look at the trade like up front, it looked like you're getting garbage bags. <laughs> like when you compare it to what we, what we traded away in, in Carmelo, but. It, they played hard, man, and they, they and I, I like McDermott. He's, he's played really well. I, I like the, the way the team and comes in place for each other. I like that they they play like a team. They lose like a team. They win like a team. Uh, I like it. So they, they have a long way to go, though. So we'll see what happens. Indeed, indeed. Um, all right, let's move on. Um, I want to talk about the Oklahoma City Thunder a little bit. Um, they're 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 winning tonight, so they're about to win their third straight game. They're playing Chicago though, so I feel like that is only a referendum if you lose. Um, you don't get you don't get any points for that win, um, or at least you you mean you shouldn't. Um, but they are up by I think what is it 19 points right now. Um, just started the third quarter. Um, uh, excuse me, 21. Uh, the <laughs> the Thunder, man, I, I, I'm I was so high on this team, and I still am. I, I I still have um, I still have some some high hopes for this team. Um, so they put together a two game winning streak. It's about to be three. Have they figured Have they figured it out? Like the 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 crazy thing with this team that I just don't understand. Um, I saw a stat maybe sometime earlier this week, or maybe it was it late last week. They are like the third best defensive team in the league over the course of 48 minutes, but they are 
by far the worst defensive team in the league in the last five minutes of a game, and it's not even close. Like, they are atrociously worse than every other team. Than, than the 29th team, they are so – they're, like, twice as bad as the 29th team um, in, in – um, you know, uh, I guess crunch time defense is, is, I guess, what you would call it. it. It just doesn't make any sense to me. Like, how can you be that good over the course of a game but be that bad at the end of games? And this is, again, a team that was really good at finishing games last year. They won so many close games last year. Um, and, and granted, I mean, it was pretty much just Russ turning it on and, and you know, figuring it out and everything else. But, I mean, I just don't. It's it's really it's really uh, interesting to me. Um, not as much that uh, they were good at, at at finishing games last year and and not this year because a lot of that I feel like could be chalked up to um, you know try, them trying to figure out their offense with all these new pieces. Um, but it's really interesting to me that their defense is so good for most of a game until you get to the end of a game. I don't understand that. It just it doesn't doesn't add up in my head. I, I can't figure it out. Um and I don't I'm not sure Billy Donovan can figure it out either. I don't know, maybe. Um can this group of guys make it work and what do you think needs to happen for them to make it work? Um Joel, we'll start with you on this one. I know I say this a lot, but it's it's still early, <laughs> and uh, no, I and I totally yeah, I, agree. I totally agree. Uh, I my thing is, they're good and they're gonna be good, and they will, they're gonna get better as they like learn to play with each other. Uh, I think what it is is they are learn like, I think if you look at their scoring, like, like it, do you know what their averages are like right now? Like between Melo, Westbrook, and George, what are the what are the averages? Is there anyone that's Significantly more like scoring. No, players. no, they're all. Last time I saw, they were um, all had equal amount of points. This was like a week ago, but they all had equal amount of points, and like shot differential was like four. Like I think, I think Mello had four more shots than Westbrook, and Paul George was in between them. So like they're all sharing the ball, but the thing is, they're not moving the ball. They're all playing. Mm-hmm. They're they're all playing like you know, one-on-one, like, feed me the ball. They're all playing hero ball. Um, and and that's what that's what kind of scares me about this team because they all have the talent. But, man, that, that, that hero ball mentality can get you into trouble. Um, but anyway, I'm sorry. Go ahead. They, they, to answer your question, no, they, I, all, they all – No, I agree well, with you. Joel, I have, ahead, the exact, I have the exact numbers. Uh, Westbrook and Mello are sitting at – uh, Mello's at 20.2, Westbrook's at 20.3, Paul George is at 22 points per game. Yep. 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 Yeah, because he had that one game like last week where he scored like 50 something. Yeah, he had like 47 in one night and something yeah, the other night. It, it was, was crazy. Killing. Yeah, he was. The night he, Mello, yeah, I think he was like 13 play. for 22 or some shit. Like, it was crazy. Um, but yeah, so I mean, there you go. You got the stats. So, um, so what? I guess where were you going with that? Was there how they all, you know, have been equally scoring? Well, there's what I mean. There's like no dominant player. I mean, I think that's probably what they're they're probably trying too hard to have everyone be equal when 
they were they could be successful with this Russell's team. Let Russell be Russell and let them play around him sometimes. And then like they take the first five minutes a little more. I don't think it's going to be an issue for them or like down the line. Because look, they're they're still doing what they still got to do. But like you said, they're not moving the ball well enough. They're not defending in crunch time well enough. Um, it's just all time. It's all going to come with time. Their bench isn't very deep. I mean, there's a lot of things. It's just a little thing like that. I mean, it's going to happen. It's going to take it. Like, some teams come out slow, and they have a talented roster. Look at fucking Cleveland. <laughs> like, what is that? Yeah. It's, it's ridiculous. Milwaukee, I mean, they're good. But they, they don't have the best record right now, but they're good. So, it's like, it'll, it'll be – I mean, it'll all even itself out at some point. Right now, they'll be okay. I'm not really worried about them. Um, but we'll see what happens. Like, I, I like all three. I like those guys. I like the team itself. I like the way it's structured. They maybe need to add a piece or two just for more depth, but that's it. That's not, they're really not else. I think they'll be okay, really, honestly. And do, you think, they need to, um, do you think by the season's end they will be able to, I won't even say contend with the Warriors, but do you think they'll be able to make a series? Out of, out of the Warriors. Do you think they can take? Do you think they can take a six or seven games? I think they can take a six. At the very least, six games. I think they. Can. I think they have the talent to do it. Uh, and by that point, they should be a little more uh, comfortable with each other. So I think. At the, I don't know if I can say they'll beat them, but I can definitely say it should at least go six. Gotcha. All right. All right. That's cool. Uh, Jawan, same question. Um. I, I'm not hitting uh, the panic button at all. Uh, like Joel said, it's still very early. But there are glaring issues. Uh, for one, Melo, for some reason, seems to uh, shy away from going to the uh, the hoop, driving. Uh, I've seen a lot of their games this season where Melo would rather take a highly contested jump shot rather than driving uh, when he has an open uh, when he has an open lane. I don't know why, um, but his percentage of where he's taking his shots is just it's 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 staggering. Like I, I don't get it. Uh someone of, of his skill, uh if the offense isn't flowing well enough or if Westbrook and George are on the bench, I have no idea why this team because they don't have uh as far as their bench, like shooters shooters. So I don't know why mm-hmm. if when Melo's playing with the bench, why they don't just let him put his back to the basket. Uh, and get points that way. That's where he thrives. You doing these screens and stuff for him to get these these mid range jumpers. It's it's not really as effective as it once was. Uh, and I think for this team to really be a threat to Golden State, they have to be able to take that team at all facets. Um, so that means Mel's gonna have to be able to back Draymond down in the paint uh, or Eagle Dollar. Um, Paul George to me takes way too many shots uh, from the three Um, Westbrook is Westbrook so there's not much I can say about that but another thing I wanted to point out Melo has got to have more effort defensively I thought Melo would give more defensively if he was just in a better situation that called for him to give more effort this is the best you're going to get you have you have two other all stars with you, prime all stars uh, at that. You have to show more effort. I've seen Melo, uh, you know, doesn't get a rebound and he just trots back. His guy is steaming full ahead, and Melo's just trotting back. 
it it infuriated me when he was here in New York, and it infuriates it infuriates me to see him with better talent, same old mentality. Um, I, I I don't think I don't think I I know I was very stern on I think they could uh, beat the Warriors, um, and be the Western Conference uh, team to represent in the finals. I'm gonna hold on to that. I'm not jumping off that bandwagon yet. But when I look at the Warriors, like Steph goes down, still plays great. Uh, Durant goes down, that team still plays great. I just really was depending on that team to somehow take a step back for a team in the West to kind of take advantage of that. It does not look like the Warriors at any point uh, seem to be taking a step back. So that worries me, especially with a team uh, like OKC where they have streaky guys like Paul George and uh, and Melo. So that still worries me a little bit. Still holding on to that bold claim of OKC will be beating the Warriors in seven games to represent the West this year. Man, I hope so. And and I uh, I'm I'm with you. I'm still holding on to that. But I think it really boils down to, and I think you made some great points about Melo. That game against Denver was was just a a huge, huge microcosm of, honestly, like his whole career. Um, and everybody likes to point out, um, you know, the the um, Olympic team. Well, that's all fine and good, but you, you, the thing is, man, like you're still – I feel like people, when you do that, you're still focusing on him offensively. Offensively, he's always been great. He's He's one of the probably top ten – at least top 20 offensive talent in the league still to this day. I mean, he's that good. Um, but just defensively, he's not good, and it's all because of effort. It's just it all comes down to his defensive effort. He does not give it. He doesn't do anything on defense um, that you need to do. He doesn't crash the boards. He he lets guys get to the basket. He doesn't help on defense. It's amazing to me that they're as good as they are defensively um, throughout the course of a game. Um, I I just I, and I don't understand it. Like I I kind of understand it in the sense of you know when you were in New York, like you weren't you weren't competing for a championship. Like you might as well hold on to um, you know a little bit of effort to, to try and score, um, you know, to, I mean, obviously we all know, you know, you can't, you can't give a hundred percent on both ends of the floor, um, and, and be as effective offensively as, you know, Mello traditionally is. Um, but he doesn't give, um, he gives almost no effort defensively. Um, it, they, they have to address that. And I don't know exactly what the answer is, I'm hoping that the last three games, um, including tonight with against Chicago, and, and the, you know the bigger thing is not that they beat Chicago, but that they, you know, last time I checked, were beating them by 21 points. Like that's you should beat Chicago by like 20, 25 points. Uh, let's just be honest. But I almost wonder, man. Like, and I ripped him. I ripped him for saying it, um, and not because he said it, but because of how he said it. Um, but, you know, KD, I mean, basically said, like, I don't like Billy Donovan's coaching. I, I, I kind of agree. I don't like Billy Donovan's coaching. I've watched three or four of, 
Thunder games this year. I didn't miss any the first week um, because uh, they, they had free uh, league tests, and so I watched all the Thunder games because I just enjoy watching the team. Um, they're they're probably my favorite uh, favorite team that's not the Atlanta Hawks, um, but they. I don't understand what Billy Donovan like it like how he constructs his lineups. It, they don't make any sense. Like if you have Russell Westbrook, Paul George, and Carmelo Anthony, there is absolutely no fucking reason that one of those guys should not be on the floor at any given point in the game. No reason whatsoever. Like I don't care if you're trying to make a first team, second team kind of rotation and you know, that's that's how you you know, I guess maybe that's how he just works his lineups. Like that's that's just what he does. I don't like it. Like get a little more creative with your lineup construction. Like there's no reason why all three of those guys should ever be on the bench at the same time unless somebody's hurt. Like you need exactly. to put Mello Mello needs to be to me, needs to be the guy who's still on the floor when the other two are off it because Melo is just an offensive juggernaut. And so, to me, I just don't understand why you don't utilize him like you utilize uh, Ennis Cantor. Cantor was their scoring option last year. Um, Granted, he played in the second unit, but he was their scoring option uh, when they needed buckets. Like, just stretch out the lineup. Sit Melo, say, six minutes into the game and then bring him back, you know, 10 minutes into the game when you sit down uh, Paul, Paul George and Russell Westbrook or, or, you know, for the start of the second quarter or however you want to construct it. But, like, Melo needs to be, to me, needs to be on that court with, you know, Raymond Felton, um, Robertson, uh, Jeremy Grant, and um, yeah, I guess maybe Patrick Patterson playing the center uh, position, or however you want to construct it, whatever you know, whatever it is that you want to do. But I don't understand that. It doesn't make any sense to me. And I've watched a lot of their games, uh, well, three or four, um, so you know, like a third of their games. And I there's way too many minutes where all three of them are on the bench, and it's just it, I don't I don't get it. I, like it, it kind of goes back to the same thing with. When you have, uh, when we've discussed this at length, and we'll discuss it again later tonight, but when you have Chris Paul and you have uh, um, James Harden, the whole idea was, well, you know, there won't be a time when one of them isn't on the floor, and that's how we'll make this whole shindig work. Um, Like, to me, that's how you make three ball-dominant players work, and especially somebody like Carmelo Anthony. Like, Cantor's biggest role was catching it in the post, backing people down, scoring, and he would get, you know, he could get you up to 20 points a game. Like, I mean, he he wouldn't average 20 points a game, but he could get you up to 20, maybe 22, 23 points a game um, at times when he was was on. Melo can easily do that, and he's used to doing that. So why not utilize him in a way – you don't have to bring him off the bench. You don't have to to make it like an ego thing – but utilize him like you had Cantor, or like you used Cantor, um, where you know he's your primary scorer when you're resting Russ and you're resting Paul George, and then you know just make it where they play alongside each other some, and then they rest some. Because I think the dynamic of George and Westbrook 
kind of works a little bit better than, than Melo. Um, though I do agree with you, Jawan, I think um, George takes a few too many threes. And I get it, like we're a three-point league and everything, but George is a better, better player than that. He can, he can cut to the lane a little better and everything else. At least he's not taking, you know, uh, 17, 18-foot two-pointers like Melo. <laughs> but, uh, but nevertheless, like still, like you guys know what I'm getting at. But here's the thing. Mello's 17, 18-foot jump shot is way more consistent than Paul George's three. So, like, you know, there's that, too. Um, so, I don't know. I, I think they might need a coaching change. And, like, the thing that sucks is you can't, you can't do that now. There, there, there's already too much for them to try to work, to, to get it, like, worked out and to, to figure everything out for you to – now say we're going to bring in a new coach. Like I don't, I just don't think there's enough time because you really have to get it figured out by this season. Um, I don't, I don't think they necessarily necessarily have to be um, like a, a great team this year. I don't think they have to, you know, make the finals or win the championship for everybody to stay. Um, and, and I mean, I think Mello is going to stay regardless because there's no way he's turning down 26 million dollars. Um, he's going to take oh, that. No. He's going to take that player <laughs> option. Like no, no chance. In fact, I think it's more than that. I think it's like 28. Um, but there's no way he's he's going anywhere. But Paul George is obviously the bigger part of that of that um, big three. And you know, I mean, I don't. I just don't think you can do that. But you really kind of need to. Because um, I just I don't I just don't like the way Billy Donovan coaches. I don't think he makes the right decisions. Um, it, it just something something about the way that he he runs that team just I I don't like. Um, and I don't know, man. Like I I hope that he can figure it out because if he can figure it out and and utilize this roster to best available potential, I do think that they can beat. Um, Golden State because their defense is really good. Um, he needs to get more defensive effort out of Melo, and he needs to give Melo um, some time to operate on his own with the second unit, um, and just make that work. Make that be your blueprint. Make that be your team's identity. I think if they do that, they will be really successful. Um, but I just don't know. It's, it's gonna. To me, it really all comes down to Billy Donovan because it's Billy Donovan's job to get the most out of Mello. Billy Donovan's job to put a lineup on the floor that is consistently good, um, and that's to me the biggest, the biggest issue with this team thus far this season. Um, like everybody was surprised by him last year, including me. I didn't even have him making the playoffs going into last year, um, and the fact that they did was. Just testament to Russell Westbrook and, and how great of a player he is, um, especially because he was surrounded by a bunch of people who couldn't even shoot the fucking ball. Um, but, uh, you know, this year, they got to be better. They got, I, I think, honestly, they have to make the second round of the playoffs, if not the Western Conference Finals, for, for Paul George to really um, even consider staying. Because um, otherwise... I mean, you can he can go to LA where he, I mean we all know he kind of really wants to be and um, maybe you know hope to lure somebody else there with him like a Demarcus Cousins or LeBron James or something you know um, but anyway 
Um, I want to throw it back to uh, to you, Juwan, and then we'll throw it back to you, Joel, and we'll move on. Um, you know, what do you think about Billy Donovan? Um, do you do you look at him and think that he could be, you know, possibly on the hot seat, or do you m- maybe agree with me that even despite his flaws, that it, it, it would be a little too much for uh, a team this under the gun to overcome? Uh, too much for them to overcome. I I just think it's the matter of like OKC this early into the season. Same thing the Cavs did. Uh, had a closed door meeting, so obviously something that was bothering them. Uh, they needed to get sorted out only fifteen twenty games into the season. Um, so I think w- whatever frustrations they may be having or or going through. Uh, it, it's the oldest uh, tale in the book, winning cures all. So if they can keep this yeah. winning streak going, um, th- there won't be any issues. The biggest thing is, in winning, I always say winning isn't uh, isn't the, necessarily the cure to all. And what I mean by that is, you could win because you're playing horrible teams, but in that win, a lot of your winning is, is, you know, because someone might be hot or, or something like that. Like, you're not playing a complete game. There's, there's aspects of the game that need to be fixed in order for you to uh, contain and continue that winning. With OKC, it's a matter of, all right, yeah, the three-game winning streak is, you know, some of the teams were eh or whatever. But OKC, to me, when I picked them at the beginning of this year to go to the finals, um, it was because I thought this team could win games that that they need to win. Um, because there aren't any games this team will, will come up against that you go, oh, they can't beat that team. So that's why going through that losing streak, I'm just like, I don't get why you're struggling against Minnesota, uh, you know, twice in the span of a week and a half. I don't get how you're struggling against these other teams that you're struggling against. You have three all-stars three offensive juggernauts. I don't know if it's coaching or if I, or I don't know if it's, uh, you know, um, the, the players themselves, it's just not gelling right away. But all I know is Westbrook loves to share the ball to people that can actually do something with it. You now have two other guys on the court with you at the same time that can. There should be no excuse why in late game situations or in the fourth quarter, this team is having gel issues or is having issues of Melo gets the ball and is on an island. Paul George is shooting threes uh, like he has an un- unlimited clip on his waist. There's, just, <laughs> there's, there's certain issues with this team that just should not be an issue with that much talent. But this team could come down to the issue of maybe three is too much talent for that team. I mean, hell. This is a team that had Harden, Ibaka, Westbrook, and Durant all on the same team at, at one point, and they couldn't get it done. Uh, and then they had Westbrook and Durant both at the height. They're still at the height, but at, at, at the beginning of their peak, and they couldn't get it done. So maybe it's just a, a scenario of Westbrook and talent can't get it done. It's, it's Like Joel said, it's still way too early to make proclamations like that. I'm just saying this team shouldn't be struggling the way that they're struggling against the teams they're struggling against. Those are games we expect you to blow these guys out by, and that's the biggest difference between OKC and the Warriors. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, 100%. Joel, you have anything to add to that? No, I think you guys wrapped it in a nice little bow. I'm here sweating, watching the game. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right. Well, we got a caller here, so I'm going to uh, plug you in, caller. Uh, hey, man, what's going on? What's your name? And uh, uh, what do you have to add to the uh, conversation, man? How's it going, guys? It's Tom. I'm literally just uh, tuning in, so if you fill me in on kind of what you're talking about, it sounds like you're talking about the Thunder, but if you let me know, just in general what you're talking about, I can probably hop in. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we were kind of just talking about the Thunder struggles uh, and, you know, what they've what they've been going through. Um, I, you know, I kind of say that a lot of it has to do with Billy Donovan's coaching. Um, I don't like the way that he, he constructs their lineups. Um, I think they should utilize Carmelo Anthony um, as, as, kind of similarly to how they used Ennis Cantor in the past. Um, like, put him out there when you've got uh, – Paul George and Russell Westbrook resting to give you offense um, and kind of construct. You don't have to necessarily make him a bench player, but, I mean, you can still start him. But, you know, uh, you don't have to have a team A and a team B, and Billy Donovan seems really stuck on that kind of mentality. And I don't know if that's a college thing or what, but he definitely kind of seems to to have that mentality. Um, And also just, uh, you know, Mello's – unwillingness to, to, you know, give defensive effort um, and the fact that, you know, they all play hero ball, um, at least, you know, to this part of the season, not a lot of ball movement. Um, and then, you know, finally they uh, have played great defense this year except for the last five minutes of games where they are dead last in defensive rating, um, you know, for crunch time uh, minutes. Um, you know, out of all those things, out of out – of, you know, what you've seen, uh, you know, how do you feel uh, the Thunder, like what do you feel like they need to, to fix the situation? And um, do you think that they are at all in a position to challenge uh, the uh, Golden State Warriors? I think they just need time. Honestly, I think of a lot of the teams you talk about, I'm not super worried about the Thunder. I think um, – defensively they're definitely up there in terms of stats i think if you look at them in close games i think they're like oh and six which is just bad luck right i think at the very least you're looking at teams i think that are shooting a open three-point percentage on them that's i think maybe one of the highest in the league just i think by its very nature a lot of this stuff is going to come down i'm not really worried about the thunder i think um the only reason to worry about them is this team just stinks of like a one-year um one year throw together. And I think given that they need time, they're not going to, they're not good enough to beat the Warriors. I think that their defense is definitely interesting. I think Mello, maybe from a few years ago, you'd be looking at a more interesting team, but if you're talking about them up against the Warriors, I mean, it's not going to happen. Maybe they can take one or two games up them if they really mesh. I think um, Paul George will figure it out. I think uh I'm I'm really not that worried about this team. I think if you look at the uh, a metrics, it shows that when they come out of it, I wouldn't be shocked if they're third or fourth in the West, which is exactly where we slotted them. And they'll probably – they can maybe take a series off a team like Houston. They might make it to the Western Conference Finals, but they'll probably almost certainly lose to the Warriors. So I'm not, I'm not incredibly worried about them. Um, I, I think there's a few things. I think uh, – uh, Westbrook doesn't look quite as good as he did last year, but at the same time, mm-hmm. you know, it's been the athleticism. There's, there's not really much I worry about this team. I don't know. I guess there's not much else to say than that. You're looking at uh, three incredibly independent players. I guess Westbrook is the only one who 
is at least used to playing with a ball dominant guy in the past, but he had a season of creating horrible habits last year. So it's not, you know, the other two guys, Mello is, you know, never been in a situation like this. And Paul George has never been in a situation like this. The closest he's had to another star on his team is like Lance Stevenson and David West. So obviously it's going to be time to, yeah. And I mean, at the same time, the other way you have to really look at this team is it wasn't a team that was put together by any kind of strategy. Like if you could pick from a pool of 30 players, you'd never put these three guys together on the same team. The reason this team exists is that um, Presti turned water into wine. I mean, you just don't say no to the talent upgrades they made while also getting off of the contracts that they got off of. So it's like a, it's a team that's kind of put together because why would they not have done all of those trades? They were all fantastic deals. And even though this is probably a one-year thing, like you have a massive talent upgrade. So I'm not, I just don't, I think it's way too early to put any kind of judgment on this team. I think you're going to need to see at least 41 games of them before you can really start putting together anything. Yeah. And I I think that's a very good point. Um, You know, that's kind of, I think a lot of what um, both Joel and Juwan, you know, have have been kind of saying. Um, I, I just real quickly, uh, Juwan, we'll go to you in just a second. Um, I wanna I wanna hear from Tom. Uh, what do you think, if anything, is is necessary? Like, where do you think this team needs to finish in the postseason? Sec, whether it be second round, Western Conference, whether it be NBA Finals. Um, where do you think they need to finish in order to, um, in order for this not to be a one-year thing? In order for for Paul George to say, okay, I'm going to resign. Um, and and I'm 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 saying this because I think uh, Carmel Anthony um, taking his player option is a is a foregone conclusion um, because uh, he's not going to turn down 27 million dollars. I just don't I just don't see him doing that. I think it depends. Okay, so outside of them winning the title, I think that le- it less depends on the Thunder and more depends on other teams. So if the Lakers, if I think Brandon Ingram continues to show the improvement that he has, I think if Kyle Kuzma continues to surprise everyone and look like he should have been a top seven pick. Yeah. Lonzo, I know there's a lot of stuff going on about his a lot of people going off about his shot right now, but I, I you know, I think the guy works hard enough that he can get himself to league average uh, uh, place there. I it all really depends on and then it depends on the Cavaliers, what does a LeBron James do because if certain players make a decision to go to LA, Paul George is leaving Oklahoma City to go to Los Angeles. I think he might leave Oklahoma City to go to Los Angeles no matter what. I don't think there is anything they can do to keep this team together other than win a title. I'm still not even convinced that keeps the team uh, together. I just think that it's a situation where if you're presented the ability to trade Victor Oladipo and a backup center for Paul George, you do it. I, I, right. I like, and I think the reason they were able to do that is either the Pacers are really – were either very vindictive, which is certainly possible, and they didn't want to send Paul George anywhere east or to the Lakers, or they were, or they're dumb, one of the two. I, I just don't see any situation where they do keep this together. I, I, like, I don't envision 
I just don't envision Paul George re-upping for five years in Oklahoma City, even with uh, a Westbrook there. I just don't think there's enough, and I, I don't think it's enough of a free agent draw that they have much of a chance to improve themselves. So I, from what I think, I think Paul George is a one-year rental, um, and they're not winning the title. So that I just don't see a way they keep this together. I, I really doubt I, I dig your your uh, your black and white uh, uh, look at the situation. <laughs> I, I will I will add. Um, I, I also think uh, a lot of the the Pacers' decision came down to they wanted to stay um, somewhat competitive as a fringe playoff team. Um, I think if you're if you're a team in Indiana, um, it, you probably rely a lot on trying to get into the playoffs make that little bit of extra money that you get um, by making the playoffs and by acquiring, you know, Victor Oladipo um, and Sabonis, uh, it does at least help you try to maintain that level, especially given how weak the East is. Um, but I, I mean, I, I get your, I totally get your point. I mean, if you're, if you're the, the Pacers, if you had just waited, um, you, you probably could have gotten a, a top notch draft pick. Um, for Paul George via the the Boston Celtics, or potentially even, I mean, yeah, yeah, um, or you know, or potentially even um, the the um, Cavaliers, because I mean, if if they had still had Paul George when the Kyrie trade went down, you know for a fact that you know the Cavaliers would would trade uh, like Amon Shumpert and Channing Frye and that Brooklyn pick for Paul George and Heartbeat. Like I really think that they would have pulled that trade. I, just, um, I don't, I don't, I just don't know. I mean, I, I think the Cavaliers did the Celtics trade a, cause it was probably the best, by far the best trade out there. But also I, there's just a lot of, I don't know. There's a lot of weird things happening around the league that are pointing towards a lot of players moving. And I just think it's a, there's not a ton of free agents out there that I think can make a ton of sense as a max deal. I, I just really don't see an, I don't see Paul George um, signing up to be like a B plus level Kevin Durant in the Russell Westbrook show. I mean, I think there are certain teams sure. that I, I think there are certain teams that Paul George could have been traded to where it wasn't a foregone conclusion that he leaves the Celtics being one of them, like different situations, the Cavs being one of them, if LeBron had stayed, I just feel like this is not one of those situations. I do agree with you that Carmelo opts in, which is fine. I, I think he'll probably opt in unless, you know, but I think he'll probably leave open the possibility of going to a potential championship contending team somewhere. Oh yeah. Just, I think he'll, I, guess, I think he'll just, opt in and ask for a trade. Like I think he'll opt in and say, I yeah. want to be traded to one of these two teams. Like, yeah. Um, and, and you know, the, the Thunder would be uh, obliged to, um, or uh, it would be uh, stupid not to try to oblige him. Um, if if they can get anything of value back for him, if Paul George leaves, um, because at that point, you know, you're you're just trying to to as as much as you can turn the Oklahoma City Thunder with all of that you know newfound cap space into the Houston Rockets of last year. At that point, you know, if if Paul George yeah. leaves. Um, um, but anyway, I want to I want to throw it back to you, Juwan. You had you had something to say, a retort. 
Uh, yeah, just really quickly. Um, if I'm Paul George, I look at L.A. Ingram's not going anywhere. Um, Lonzo Ball is most definitely going to get better. Kuzma there. Um, you know, you never know what they're going to do with Lopez or whatever. But if, if I'm George, I most definitely don't go to L.A. Uh, Westbrook just signed an extension, so he's going to be in OKC for the remainder of his prime. I don't see why I don't want to stay there. And if you think about it, they don't really need big names to bolster that roster. They have a really good roster now. They just don't know how to properly, uh, uh, you know, um, work out that roster to where on the court it works out. So it's it may be a coaching issue, like you said, Nick. So maybe Billy Donovan is uh, is the guy that you kind of push him out, and then you can make that Westbrook, Mello, and, and Paul George see him a lot better. And then all you have to do in free agency is just get – you need shooters around those guys. When Mello's in, in the post backing down and is doubled, he needs to be able to kick out to someone that can actually hit that shot. So I, if I'm Paul George, it really does not make sense. You want to leave Westbrook and Mello to go to the Lakers, to go rebuild, to go try to make L.A. like that, that Kobe-dominant team again? No, I think that's pressure Paul George has never wanted in his career. Uh, he doesn't. He obviously does not want to be that guy. He's never played like that guy. So if I'm him, I, I, I don't see him going to the Lakers. I don't see him going anywhere to where he has to be the guy. So I like think the level. Yeah. Right. I, I think. I yeah. I think what Tom was saying was uh, it, it, it it depends on the other roster changes that happen. Um, am, am I correct in that assessment, Tom? Yeah, I, I mean, look, I think you're. Uh, if, if I'm George, I don't go to the Lakers by myself. I think that would be a really stupid move. I don't know why he would do that. I uh, agree with you fully. But what's happened here, right, is that everyone thought that the cap was going to continue to grow and grow and grow and grow. Right. And that everyone was going to have cap space. But what's ended up happening is a lot of these contracts that were signed in 2016 have been disastrous. And you're looking at now a league that is going to have three to four teams with even one max cap cap slot. You're looking at Cousins, LeBron James, and George out there in a situation where the Lakers, by simply attaching a, a pick or here and there, I mean, it all depends on um, uh, LeBron James. And a lot of signs are pointing to the fact that he's not going to be on the Cavs next year. And if LeBron James starts to say he's going to make moves there's not a lot of teams out there with the lakers cachet with the young talent that they have they could also clear the decks to 75 to 80 million dollars and if lebron james says i will come there is there are many not so difficult ways that the lakers could get to like not necessarily three max slots but close enough that it could legitimately happen and that's when you start to say Paul George isn't going there alone. And I know this is like the Lakers wet dream that happens every year, but there are right. a lot of weird car, but there, but this is very different because they have a young, no, I, I agree with actually you. have some young talent and there's a lot of weird cards lining up that are making this not seem yeah. so ridiculous. Yeah. Well, and yeah, not to but, mention Luke Walton should have won coach of the year uh, for the 73 and nine, um, Warriors, because his record was much better than Steve Kerr's, um, and he coached more games for that team than Steve Kerr did. Um, well, but, uh, I, and my point being, he's a magnificent coach. You give him the time, you give him the talent, he will deliver. Um, Juwan, real quickly. 
Yeah, before we move on, I was just going to say they're not going to turn them down. We all know that. So I don't want that to be what gets taken out of what I'm saying. But if I'm Magic Johnson, I'd rather have Paul George than LeBron, honestly, because Paul George can age. better help to age and the fact that if LeBron's on there, how much growth do you think Lonzo Ball will be able to develop? He's not a shooter at all. His, the, the, the point of Lonzo is to, be, is to be your distributor. So if LeBron's there, LeBron's not a shooter either. So either way you look at it, one of those guys has to take a step back. And if you're telling your young guy, hey, I know we drafted you overall, uh, you know, the top pick in the draft, but hey, listen, LeBron's going to come here for the next two to three years. He's the guy. You're now telling Lonzo Ball and Ingram they have to take a step back. That kills young guys' confidence. If I'm them, I'd rather yeah. a guy that I can plug in like Paul George, not a guy who's going to completely mess up the entire game plan we had, which is to build the Laker cachet back up and to build yeah. back up that name. And bringing in LeBron, yeah, no, I, that'll kill the confidence. Absolutely. I got you. Hey, I'm, I'm sorry, Tom. We got to move on. Um, we, we got uh, – yeah, we got, we got a lot of uh, topics still yet to get to. Um, but, yeah, no, I mean, I, I think those are some valid points. My, my biggest thing would just be – um, where where do you fit Ingram into anything where you bring in either Paul George or LeBron? Do you pl- try to play him at three? Uh, or I mean, do you play him at the two if he's with LeBron? It, it's it's a it's a foggy area that they would have to um, that they would have to figure out. But I mean, I I would say like Tom said, you don't turn down talent. You make you try to figure out a, yeah. a, a way to make talent work. Um, but anyway, let's get on to. Um, and, and, and Tom, by the way, um, you feel free to, to hang on, uh, and, and stay with us as long as you'd like. Um, but, uh, um, uh, anytime you need to drop out, that's cool. Just do so. I'll, I'll, I'll see it on the boards. Um, so let's move on. We got hot takes and fire trades, uh, and they are judged by the mild mannered Joel. This is a segment sponsored by Taco Bell. Uh, not really, but it should be because I just put all of their sauces in one uh, segment title. Um, but anyway, let's uh, let's get to it. Jawan, we 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 love your hot takes. Uh, in fact, um, we uh, were a little disappointed last week with your hot take because it wasn't hot enough. It was something that Joel and I could both buy into. And it didn't take, you know, six <laughs> months of us of us realizing that oh shit yeah Juwan was right about that. Um, so come on man, bring it. What's what's the hot take for the week? Well, now that you gave me that huge build up, I feel like this one might be the same. But who knows? Nah, man, uh, I feel the same way take... about my trade. <laughs> like, it ain't that crazy. <laughs> Maya, I can hear Joel just grumbling in the back. Uh, all right, <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, my hot take of this week is the Cleveland Cavaliers will finish fourth in the Eastern Conference and will not make it to the Eastern Conference Finals this year. That is my hot Whoa. take for this week. No, that's hot, man. That's mm. pretty fucking hot. Um, all right, so let me mm. let me let me try to piece this together. Um, let, let me say you got Boston and Milwaukee in the Eastern Conference Finals. I'm not sold on Milwaukee fully yet, but I definitely have Boston. <laughs> he only has one Boston. Okay, team. so you got what, Milwaukee <laughs> or Washington? Because we know you ain't fucking picking Toronto. 
No, I actually have a surprise. I have a surprise. Because I'm not sold on Milwaukee. Uh, and I do not think Cleveland's making it. I actually think Cleveland's going to get knocked out uh, by Washington. Um, I, I'm actually liking the idea of Detroit basketball. I've loved oh, the way shit. they've played this year, man. I've loved the way that they've played. Andre Drummond not only has stepped it up as far as being the guy on that team, but he's also stepped it up a little bit, not not tremendously, but a little bit with his free throw uh, shooting also. So he's not that huge of a liability come fourth quarter when they really need him uh, on the floor rebounding and defending. So I really like this Detroit team. Boston, to me, is just like a lot to make it to the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, I do not have Cleveland going. Uh, in Washington, all, albeit I, I do see them being the team that knocks out Cleveland, I just really like the idea of, uh, of the Pistons making it to the Eastern Conference Finals. But if I'm not speaking with my heart, I would go Boston, uh, Boston and Washington. Okay, well, I'm a little confused. Uh, just just going to point this out real quickly. If you've, got, if you've got Cleveland at four and you've got Washington knocking them out, then that would mean you've got Washington knocking them out in the first round because Washington's five? Yes, I do. Yes, Holy I do. shit, that is a real hot take. Okay. Um, I mean, maybe maybe Isaiah Thomas goes down with an injury, mid, you know, after he comes back and everything else. That is by no means tame. Um, let's let's throw it out to the panel, though. Joel, uh, you have not had uh, a chance to talk in like 20 minutes. Uh, <laughs> what the yeah, fuck do you think <laughs> about that? <laughs> well, it woke me up. <laughs> so I was like, uh, Cleveland fourth is not that – that's not the hot take. The hot take is the fact that they might get eliminated in the first round. I don't see that. I, mean, I don't even see how that's remotely. I just don't. I don't. I, I don't even. I don't even know if they'll be Washington in the first round. I can see. Uh, I can see Cleveland being four and Washington being five. I just. I just don't think. It, I don't it, think Washington could beat Cleveland. I don't know. I, I. I. I don't. I don't see them losing if they get not the first round. Maybe the Eastern Conference Finals. I don't see them losing the first round to anybody. Uh, anybody. <laughs> like. I like they're like 18 and they go up against Boston, I guess, is a possibility. But that's really the only team. I'm like, I don't – I don't – I don't I think know. Milwaukee <laughs> it's a little, uh, they, of course, I guess Milwaukee, like Washington, a Boston, chance. Milwaukee, I think they have a good chance of beating them. But I, I just uh, – Detroit possibly. I, I still need to see more from – I like I Detroit too, but I, don't I, I just I still need to see I, more from Detroit. I like Detroit, but I don't give them any chance to be in Cleveland. No fucking chance. I just think <laughs> Cleveland in the playoffs is, is not the same team. <laughs> like, right. You know I mean? That's the thing you got to remember. Like, he, like but, but see, here's the thing, though. Like, what happens if, if say, you know, Isaiah Thomas comes back and, like, fucks up his leg again or something like that. You know, I mean, yeah, I, I mean, I think suck. there's at least that kind of thing. But I mean, I still just feel like a LeBron James led to like you. You don't go to the final yeah. seven, I, and I and I've been the guy to say it. The streak has got to end sometime. But you don't go to the final with seven straight years, and and yeah, it's just it's crazy. Year, that, that's a crazy. I'm that's a real hot take. What's that? I said, and in a year that's the worst year for the East. Well, at least they said it was going to be the worst year for the East. 
Uh, yeah, doesn't look it's, as like it's that looking right now. interesting though, man. I like Milwaukee. Yeah, exactly. I like I like the Bledsoe deal. I think I think they're gonna I think they're gonna surprise a lot of people. I mean, so I early? think. Uh, Early. No, I mean I get it. It depends, and it all depends I, on where where everything falls. Because um, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I still got Cleveland making the finals. Um, but I think if if Milwaukee does not have to play Cleveland until the finals, I think they could very easily make it to the Eastern Conference Finals with that team. Uh, you give them a little time to develop. Uh, you get um, uh, uh, Jabari Parker back. Um, or maybe you move Jabari Parker, as I suggested last week, for, for you know to get a more well-rounded team and not have to pay Jabari Parker since you're already paying out like $130 million for your roster this year. Um, yeah, there's, there's, there's a lot, lot at play. And I think something that, that, that Tom kind of pointed out earlier with as far as um, all the bad contracts signed in 2016 – have spurred so much movement, not only with, um, uh, you know, players in free agency and all those kinds of things, but also trades. You, you mean, you see these huge cap dumps. Like, I mean, just look at, just look at Damari Carroll being traded to Brooklyn, um, attached with a first round pick just to dump salary. Like that was all that was. It was just to dump salary. Um, and, and, you know, Brooklyn got a first-round pick out of it. They got Alan Crabb in exchange for Andrew Nicholson just to dump salary. Um, and so, I mean, I think you're going to continue to see more of that because of, especially as these contracts become closer um, to expiring. Um, but anyway, Tom, I think, uh, your, like, your yeah. thoughts on the hot take. Yeah, I mean, here's all I think, at least for now, I'll say LeBron James is, at 33 years old, on an absolute, still on an absolutely another level than every other player in this entire league. And here's yeah. really what you need to look at for the Cavs. The Cavs are 7-7. Seven and seven. They've lost to the Nets, Pelicans, Knicks, Magic, Pacers, Hawks, and I think one other, and the Rockets by two. So those are basically bottom-feeding teams in the league. They have beaten the yeah, Bucks yeah. twice. They smashed the Wizards. They beat. Yeah. They pretty much smashed the Celtics. So every good team they've played, other than the Rockets, which was a close game, they've beaten. Every bad team they've that played. That Celtics game was close, I believe. That Celtics they ended up being a close game. Right. Yeah. The Celtics game three. was close, but still, I mean, like, you're you're also looking and at Isaiah Thomas is not there. LeBron James is basically on a team with Kevin Love, the corpse of Dwayne Wade, and like an expansion franchise, and he and he's still so ridiculous that like I mean he's so ridiculous. This team sucks. Like if you pull him off of this team, what like it's basically like Kevin Love and the Chicago Bulls. So like he's so good that just adding Isaiah Thomas to this, I hope he comes back healthy. I, I, I hope they're able to add a piece to this just because I, I, but the main point is, could the Celtics beat them? Yes. Are they going to lose to the Wizards or the Pistons? No. They will kill those teams. The Wizards might take two games off them. I think the Pistons might get swept and LeBron James isn't from Earth. <laughs> he is a robot, uh, and we have uh, verifiable proof. We will uh, air that next week. Be sure to tune in. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I, I, 
I kind of agree with you in 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 a sense, Tom. I think that uh, uh, a LeBron James led team is is it it's got to fail at some point, but it's almost like I have to see it before I can really think that it's exactly possible at this point. You know, yeah, like. Um, but I will say this. I will say this. Other than the first round business, um, I, I I legitimately could see. With a little bit of misfortune for the Cavs, I could see the Bucks beating them now that they have Eric Bledsoe. I think that was just such – the way he has played with that team since getting there has been terrific. Um, they, they still, like, have Jabari Parker coming back. They, they have a complete team. They really, really do. Um, and if they can make the right kind of adjustments, and uh, whether it be – coaching um because uh, jason kidd's coaching is is outside of the box and i give him a lot of credit for that kind of style of thinking and the way they've constructed this team has been um very outside of the box as far as uh prioritizing length has been a super cool uh thing um but nevertheless uh i i i think it's been uh I think it's a I, I think it's a really hot take, Juan. Um, anyway, uh, we lost Tom. Bye, Tom. Thanks for calling in, man. It was nice talking with you. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> I uh, I'm gonna move on to my uh, fire trade. Um, Here we go. Yes, I've been hyping this one up. I uh, I hope you guys are ready because. It uh, is not that crazy. It's really like um, it's just it just it's a trade that just makes sense to me, honestly. Um, it's a three-team trade though, um, and I, uh, the, which are my favorite trades um, because they're like puzzle pieces, um, like trying to fit together things that work for for three different teams, um, and I think I have successfully done it. So anyway, without further ado. Um, the trade is between the Atlanta Hawks, no surprise, Uh-oh. the L.A. Lakers, and the Brooklyn Nets. Um, so, let me preface this with... Uh, yeah, okay, yes. Yes, very much so. <laughs> um, but let me, let me preface this with this trade cannot be... Uh, conducted until uh, the December 14th mark because of Ursan Ilyasova being involved in this trade. Um, I know that, um, so don't don't throw that back at me. It would have to come back in about a month's time. Um, so uh, it's trade deadline break. worthy, though. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, not even trade deadline worthy. Just this is this is as soon as December 14th hits. Like I think this is do it. this is absolutely <laughs> a trade. Yeah, do it. This is a trade that needs to go through. It makes so much fucking sense. It really, really does okay. for all teams involved. Um, so without further ado, okay. here it is. Um, the well, I'm just going to start with breaking down who gets what on this trade. Um, the Los Angeles Lakers receives uh, Trevor Booker from the Nets. Marco Bellinelli from the Hawks, and Ursan Ilyasova from the Hawks. The Nets receive 
Lulaw Dang uh, from the uh, Lakers and Julius Randle from the Lakers. Uh, the Hawks receive Jeremy Lin uh, from the Nuts and Avicha Zubats from the Lakers, as well as, yes, uh, I think it's pronounced Zubats. I don't know how, but I've heard it pronounced that way several times, and it doesn't make any sense to me, but apparently it's not tough to pronounce. Foreign people, But, like, yeah. (laughs) Um, But nevertheless, um, and the Hawks also get the... 2018 first round pick um, from the Toronto Raptors lottery protected pick uh, from the Brooklyn Nets um, in this in this trade. So uh, I'm just gonna let me just take a moment to break down why I think this trade is effective for each team, and then I will pass it to both of you guys so that you can tell me if I am right or if I am wrong. Um, so let, let's start with the Lakers. The Lakers get um, – they they have recently come out and said that they are shopping Julius Randle. Um, they don't see Julius Randle fitting into their long-term plan because Julius Randle is on an expiring contract, and so thus they will have to pay him next year. They don't want to pay Julius Randle next year. They want to pay LeBron James or Paul George or DeMarcus Cousins. So – they don't want to keep him. So if you're not going to keep him, if he's going to walk, you might as well trade him. Obviously, they want to get rid of Luau Deng's contract. It's not a good contract. <laughs> um, so you move on those two pieces as far as Avicii Zubats. Um, he's a solid prospect. He played really well at the end of last season. He showed some some um, some promise. Uh, but he hadn't done shit this season. Uh, he did not play well in summer league. Um, they signed not they not only traded for Lopez, they signed Bogut, um, and Julius Randle has has played like small ball five minutes. So he has gotten hardly any go. He hasn't played uh, very much at all. Um, so of the pieces you're losing now, it makes sense with what you're getting back. Trevor Booker can easily take the spot of what Julius Randle has, has done this year for that team. Um, Julius Randle's played about when Nance was healthy, maybe 20 minutes a game, not much, um, which is crazy given his, his skill set and his talent. Um, mm-hmm. But they've been, been you know, making a constant effort to try to get Kuzma minutes. Um, so Booker makes total sense as, as far as, you know, that kind of aspect is concerned. Bellinelli would be huge, huge upgrade for them as far as the backup uh, shooting guard position. Um, right now they have two shooting guards on their lineup. Contavious uh, Caldwell-Pope, who's obviously a solid player and their starter, and Josh Hart, who has looked very spotty at, at very given points throughout the season. Um, uh, so I think Bellinelli would be a huge upgrade there. Um and then as far as Ursan Ilyasova, he's kind of just to make the money work, um, but he can play some three, he can play some four. Um, he's, he's kind of another one of those just savvy veterans. And the most important thing for the Lakers about all three of these contracts is they're all expiring contracts. You would successfully move um, Julius Randle and uh, who they don't want to have to 
pay next year. Um, and Lou Aldang, uh, who obviously uh, they want to get off their books um, for without having to give up a draft pick. I think that in and of itself is a win for the Lakers, not to mention I think you get enough players back to still remain competitive throughout this season. Uh, as far as the Nets, if you look at this trade and you compare it to the Robin Lopez trade, it's, it's very similar. Um, they take on a bad contract. They get a great young player with that bad contract. Um, they give up uh, some uh, – well, with the, put it this way, with the with the Lakers trade, um, with the Robin Lopez trade, they gave up a good player and, and took back those, um, and gave up a draft pick attached to that good player. With this, they're giving up a slightly better draft pick. Um, I think the pick that they gave up in the in the um, with the Lopez deal was uh, the Boston pick, which was number twenty eight, I believe. Um, this is the Toronto pick. It's top 14 protected. Toronto will probably finish somewhere as like the 20 with a 21 to 24 ish pick um, throughout the season. So it's it's not a it's not a great uh, pick by any stretch of the imagination. Um, and what the talent that you're giving up on your roster is is utterly insignificant. Trevor Booker is 29 years old. He's on an expiring contract. He certainly does not fit your timeline. You're picking up a 22-year-old in Julius Randle, who is basically Trevor Booker, but better at every aspect of the game that Trevor Booker is. But you could fit him into your lineup just as Trevor Booker fits into your current lineup. Uh, Randle can play the four. He can play the five. He has a lot of... uh, young talent to that team. Um, taking on Lua Dang does suck, but, you know, it's it, to me, when your back is against the wall like, like the Nets are and they don't really have um, any other way to acquire good talent, you have to continue to take on bad contracts. Um, and you would have an excellent young core of talent with D'Angelo Russell, Alan Crabb, Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, Julius Randle, and Jared Allen. Um, obviously, you have, uh, you know, a few other players, um, uh, veteran players with Lou Aldang, uh, Damari Carroll. Uh, I'm not even going to include Timothy Mozgov because that guy is worthless. <laughs> but uh, furthermore, furthermore, you don't you don't need uh, Jeremy Jeremy Lin anymore. Um, D'Angelo Russell has been very solid this season. Uh, Dinwiddie and and um, what, uh, uh, what's his name Whitehead Whitehead uh, have been pretty pretty solid when they have had to step up and play. Um, you certainly don't need to pay Jeremy Lin twelve million dollars next year. Um, so you move him off your books uh, as well. That's that's kind of a plus for them and it helps them. Um, pay Julius Randle his extension next year. Um, but I think that's a good deal for the Nets. And then as far as the Hawks, I mean, it's just obvious. You get a draft pick. Um, you move two expiring contracts in uh, in, in Bellinelli and, and Ilyasova. You get a prospect in Avisha Zubac, who, you know, he has not played well at all this season, but, you know, maybe given a fresh start and, and some new um, opportunity backing up uh, Dwayne Denman, you know, he could he get at least, you know, a few more minutes and get some play. You get a, a late first-round pick to add to your bevy of picks. 
Um, and as far as taking Jeremy Lin, you know, I mean, obviously he's not going to give you anything this season. But next season, you got two uh, backup point guards who are on expiring contracts. Now you, you you don't really need to pay both or either one of them. I mean, you could just keep Schroeder and, you know, have Jeremy Lin come back and be your backup point guard. Uh, and furthermore, next season he will be on an expiring contract because he's only got two years left on his deal. So you could maybe use that as any kind of trade bait. Like I said, expiring contracts are becoming way more valuable than they used to be. Anyway, that's my pitch. That's my trade. Joel, what do you have to say? Well, there's a lot to take in there. All right, so Mm. let's just uh, break this down real quick. The okay, hold on. The Hawks are are trading away who and getting who again? God damn it, Joel. Um, well, this okay. quick. No, but I, I got you. Thing. You want to take it team by team. I get it. I get it. Okay. So the Hawks are trading away Marco Bellinelli, Ersan Eliasov. Yep. They're getting back Jeremy okay. Lin, who's obviously not going to help you at all. And Zubac. And right. And the first-round pick from Toronto, which is top 14 protected. But, I mean, obviously they, they should finish, barring any sort of injury concern, that pitch should convey, and it should be somewhere around 20 to 24. Okay. From the, from the Lakers? Uh, right. So what are, the, what are the Lakers giving up and getting? No, the pick is from the Lakers is what you're saying? No, the pick's from Toronto. Oh, oh, uh, it's from the Nets. The Nets are sending. Oh, the Nets have that. So the, the Nets, Nets are sending pick. the pick. Okay. Yes. All right. So Lynn and Zubak to the Hawks. Bellinelli and uh, Ilyasova to the Lakers? Yes, that is how it looks and, for And then the Nets would get Randall and who? Dang? Randall and Dang, and they would be giving up uh, mm. uh, Booker, who's on Booker and Hill, Lynn. And Lynn, who's obviously out for the season, um, and they don't really need any more because they have three decent point guards. Um and the Toronto first-round pick, which is essentially, like mm. I said, it's essentially the same trade as what they did for um, D'Angelo Russell. Because for D'Angelo Russell, yeah. they took Mozgov yeah. and then gave up. Okay, yeah. Well, Randall's a, he's going to be a free agent though next year, right? That's true. They're going to have to pay. They're going to have to pay Randall next year. Because um, he mm-hmm. he is going to be up for extension next year, um, but right. I would argue, I mean, to me, if you look at their roster, that is kind of the last piece that they need to be a complete roster as far as their young talent. Like they have, young like right now, right now they got Booker. He's 29 years old. And he's, he, you're not going to keep him. I mean, you got uh, Carroll who can, can play the four, but he, I mean, he's not in your long-term. Small ball either. four. They don't even play him at the four. They play uh, Hollis Jefferson more at the four than Carroll. Weird. Do that. Okay. Uh, All right. Well, you know more yeah, than I do. Um, but like, yeah, to yeah. me, I'm saying like, <laughs> if you if you got if you got a young lineup of of uh, those those five young guys, uh, once you throw Randall in there, that's that's a pretty good lineup. I'm looking at the, the all right. So the, the Hawks are getting 13 million approximately in, in, in contracts. Lakers would be yep. getting like 
21, something like that. Uh, uh, and and that's what we also get in 21. I'm yeah, right. I mean, 21, that, 21. I think that sounds about right, yeah. Yeah, that's about right. Mm-hmm. And the Hawks also get a pick. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the big one, the big thing here is obviously the Lakers would probably do it in the heartbeat because they'd get rid of Randall, someone they don't have to worry about paying next year. Lou Deng is a guy they obviously overpaid. Uh, three years left in that terrible contract. Holy Jesus Christ. Yes. Um, so, yeah, they'll do They'd probably do anything just to get rid of that contract. So, from the Lakers' perspective, I can see this working. Uh, let's see with the other two. Um, Lakers would get Booker and a year contract, but Lanelli also a year. It would help them this year if they will try to make a playoff run. Um, well, and that's what I'm saying. They they don't have any incentive to not do well this year because right. they don't own their pick. So, obviously, they, they want to try want to do to. well, but they also want to have expiring contracts, so it helps on both ends. Right, I get what you're saying. And they got two really young, nice young studs there in Kuzma and and ball and and they gotta worry about Caldwell Pope next year and giving him money if they really want to bring him back and all the other giant presidents they want to try to bring and stuff. Yeah. I mean they they're they're an animal on their own. Lakers obviously just want to dump camp, so that's really their agenda. And I okay, so I'll give a check mark for the Lakers on the Lakers side. So like I said, all right, so let's look at it from a Nets perspective. From a Nets perspective, they get a young guy in Randall, but they would lose a pick. And they'd also be getting a terrible fucking contract. So that's that's. I mean, is do they like Randall that much? I know what you're saying, but do they like Randall that much? Or do they give a pick and take that giant stupid contract? <laughs> um, that's a good question. Let me see. I'll get back to this. Let me ask you this: Who do you Go think ahead. is a better player, Julius Randall or D'Angelo Russell? That's a good question. I think I'm going to go uh, D'Angelo at the moment. Ooh, I would go Julius. Julius is a good I like passer. Julius, but... He's a good passer. He can play the four. He can play the five. Um, like, yeah, honestly, he, can hit, yeah. he can hit the deep ball when you need him to. Um, I mean, he's just – he's he's kind of like a Draymond Light. He's a Draymond Light. He ain't Draymond, but he's he ain't too far. From being yeah, like a not, Draymond, he's not the defender or the. He's not, he's not a bad defender. No, he's, he's not he's quite not, the athlete. He's like Draymond. <laughs> yeah, he's no, not. He's, I, mean, I said light. A, I said light. Yeah, <laughs> he's uh, yeah. he's uh, closer to Zebo than than Draymond Green. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, in terms of style, I can see that. Yeah, uh, I think he's a little more athletic than Zebo, but yeah, I could see well, that. Zebo's are like five hundred pounds. That's different. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but he's, that's um, what I'm saying. Like, I'm not even saying Zebo's age. He's always been young. Like Zebo. Pounds. Yeah, that's a good no, point. But he's Zeebo's always been like time. huge. Like. <laughs> yeah, he but has. all right. So let's, has, let's come on. Let's, let's, let's get to um, it. You've had enough time to decipher. Is it is it a reasonable trade? It's reasonable, but as a from the Nets' perspective, it's questionable. Every all the other ones like the Hawks and the Lakers, it makes a lot and tons of sense. But I, the only thing that would hold me up is that from the Nets' side, I don't know if I'm willing to do that, especially if Randall's might be free next year. But they'll probably end up trading him anyway. Oh, wait, wait, hold that. on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, one second. He's he's a restricted free agent, so they can match yeah, but any they gotta, like. They gotta pay him, yeah, but like they don't. 
that they don't run any risk of losing him. And like, let me let me further this. Um, Tom brought this up earlier, and I thought it was a good point. Um, the way that lineups, like the way that teams have paid players um, throughout this season, uh, or I'm um, not this season, but throughout the last couple off seasons, there's not a lot of teams that have the kind of cap money to offer deals um, to where you have to match them. Um, like I thought. Uh, the fact that, that New Orleans gave uh, Drew Holiday the contract that they did was fucking stupid. Like, there wasn't yeah. anybody out there even close to willing to match that offer. Like, you, like mm-hmm. I get loyalty and all that, but what I don't get it's is stupidity. Yeah. It, yeah, I mean, I just don't get it. I don't I, like, and I don't think there's going to be that many offers yeah. that come in for Julius Randle. Um, that you're, he's not going to get a max deal. Um, I mean, the Nets were yeah, the team yeah. that threw out max mm-hmm. contracts that other teams had to match. If you're the Nets, you don't have to worry about another team doing that. <laughs> mm-hmm. But they would have to pay him next year anyway. They would. You're going to have to pay him like $25 million. That's, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, Nearly that's what it is. Mm-hmm. That's what, I mean, that's the only thing holding me up on this trade. It's not a terrible trade. Because, I wouldn't call it an outrageous trade at all. It's just, from the Nets' perspective, it's just a little... I don't know if I'm willing to do all that for if I'm a Net. Like, I'm getting big-ass contract, and I'm getting Randall. Who, do I love Randall? Maybe. I like him. Uh, I don't know. I, I like Randall. I like Randall. I'm, not saying I don't, I'm not saying I don't like Randall. I'm just saying, are they in love with Randall? I mean, the, who else is out there that they can probably try to bring up? And that's the problem. They well, the thing is, they're not going to be able to sign anybody. Like, like <laughs> Especially if they get dang. <laughs> well, but they're not going to be able to sign anybody regardless. I mean, they tried to sign Porter. He got matched. They tried to sign Crab. He got matched. Granted, the, the, the you know, uh, Blazers were like, no, nah, by the way, we should have just let you match him, so we'll trade him back to you. Um, <laughs> that was a bad, that's but, our bad, our bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but nevertheless, like, you're not going to be able to, I just don't think you're going to be able to bring people in. Um, I think if you can get a young, if you can get a young core of um, Jared Allen, Julius Randle, Ronda Hollis Jefferson, uh, Alan Crabb and D'Angelo Russell. That's something you can work with, and that's something that's way better than what the Nets have had for fucking years. Um, and then, you know, I mean, Luke, pick. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it pretty much is that. I mean, that's pretty much what it boils yeah. down to. Um, but I had think, my, my biggest thing is this. My biggest thing is this is like, um, not only is is it does it boil down to. Um, you know you're 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 doing what you can with what you have, uh, but you're not getting anything out of. You need to start winning if you're Brooklyn. You're not getting anything out of yeah. uh, Jeremy Lin for the rest of the year. Uh, Booker is is he's not bad. He's not a bad player, um, but he's he's giving you like 20 minutes a game. Whereas if you get Randall. You can put him in Booker's spot, but expand that and get like 30 to 34 minutes a game out of him, um, and you would just be a much better starting. team. Yeah, I mean, he'd be your starter, absolutely. Um, and he could play the four and the five and do everything else. So, 
um, I don't know. I, I think it's. I, I and what think, kind of pick is it again? I'm sorry. What kind of pick is it? What's the pick? And it's protected. You said. It's the Toronto Raptors 2018 pick, uh, first round pick, and it's uh, lottery protected. So, like I said, you're looking at something wow. like maybe 20 to Raptors. 24. Uh, I mean, I, the Raptors are going to finish like top four or five. They're not going to be below yeah. that. Um, yeah. It so it's it's it, it's it's going to be it's not going to be a great pick. Um, but the, you know, the Hawks want you know as many picks. I mean, they they hit the nail on the head with uh, with John Collins. So you know, yeah, I mean, the more I picks think. they can get, the more picks uh, we can use, um, and hopefully. You know, figure shit out with it, but it's not—it's not a great pick. I mean, Julius Randle is—it's going to be a much better player than anybody you get with that pick. There ain't no question about that. Okay, I get what you're saying. I, look, I, I'm reluctant to trade a first-round pick if I'm the Nets, considering everything. <laughs> but I may—I'll say it's less. I'll say this. Jawan definitely is the hotter take of uh, the two fucking. You're trading that bad. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, I'll take it's not, that. It's not. I'll I, take. I would have to consider it if I'm the Nets, but it's not that bad. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Jawan, uh, we just deliberated for like 20 minutes on this fucking trade. Uh, can you just just give us your your summary quickly on the trade? Uh, I think Jawan. There nope, he is. I'm back. I didn't know if he came back. You got to tell me that, shit, Jawan. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I thought you told him. Okay, I'm sorry. Uh, we still didn't know. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Um, sorry. Threw me off real quick. Uh, I I agree with Joel. It's it it it's a it's a kind of good trade, but if I'm the net, I, I'm not a hundred percent sure if I'm willing to let go of that that pick. Um, mm-hmm. Mainly because we can even say when they got rid of their future to get Paul Pierce and those guys, they were telling their fan base, listen, if this doesn't work, yeah, it's going to be a while before we're relevant again. So I think if you're the Nets, you try to hang on to your future as much as possible. So, But like I said, it's it's not a bad trade at all. Uh, And it's one that you definitely have to think about, but that pick, man. Yeah, well, and that's my point. I mean, I think if you're the Nets, if you can, if you can get talent, and all you got to give up is a first round pick and a couple contracts that you don't want long term, it's not a bad deal. And I, I mean, mostly I constructed it around the notion of the way that the Robin Lopez trade went down. Um, but I, I, I hear what you guys are saying. You know, maybe lightning only strikes once. Maybe it doesn't strike twice. Maybe uh, they were more willing to do that deal because um, they were so far under the cap, whereas now they're a lot, you know, closer towards, um, you know, being over the cap. Um, so, hey, it is what it is. Uh, but let's move on. Uh, we've only got about 14 minutes left, so I want to skip ahead. We're not going to do player and uh, 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 game and everything of the week. We're Good. just going to skip ahead. Yes. <laughs> uh, we are going to do pretenders or contenders. 
we got 14 minutes left. Uh, actually, more like 12 and a half. James Harden for MVP, pretender or contender, Juwan. Or Joel. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm gonna say contender. contender. Uh, he was okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> Go ahead, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was on mute. Uh, contender. I'm sorry. Contender. Oh, I'm gonna go next. All right, so okay, that's it. Uh, uh, James Harden contender for sure. I think. Uh, I mean, look at his numbers the last couple of games; it's ridiculous. And even with Chris Paul coming back, I don't think he's gonna dip even that much anyway. So uh, it's just he's he's always been a contender. He was a contender. He was one on on my list of the possible MVP. So yeah, contender. Yeah, I I mean I think he's he's certainly a contender too. I posed the question. And, Precisely for you know what you you brought up, uh, Joel. Uh, Chris Ball being uh, he he's reportedly going to come back uh, tomorrow and and play against Phoenix. Uh, I I don't know how this is going to work though. I don't I don't like I'll be very interested to see, and I have been, um, and I'm, I'm just kind of a. a I think it's kind of unfortunate that we haven't seen it to this point, but also the way that the Rockets have played around James Harden. Like, I think their off-season moves were great aside from the Chris Ball trade, and I think that's what's going to help this team out so much. P.J. Tucker, great fucking pickup, and I don't remember exactly what you said, Jawan, but I remember both Joel and myself being like over the moon about that pickup, about saying like we both, me and you, Joel, we're like that is a fucking prime pickup, uh, and he is proven to be. He, I mean, he's just been great. He's a great defender. He can shoot the ball. He can do everything. Like he's he's just a Swiss Army knife kind of player. Yeah. He's just like he's a perfect fit. He's so good. He can play four different positions. He can play a shooting guard, small yeah. forward, power forward. He can give you whatever you need. Like that guy is I'm terrific. On a Luke 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 has also been terrific. He's been hitting threes. Mm-hmm. He's been like playing defense, which is something that you just can't really get out of Ryan Anderson. Um, <laughs> like that's been great. Uh, Tarek Black has been really solid. Um, like especially because uh, Nene is wishy-washy as far as, like, uh, the amount of games he can play. I mean, the guy's old. Uh, so, yeah, <laughs> and not, and not like, old, old, but, like, old by NBA standards. Uh, so, you know, like, he, like, Tarek Black is just a good person to have to step in and fulfill minutes when you need him to. And, like, those, those moves are the things that I think are great for Houston. And I do think – uh, I, I think Harden has really benefited off of being in control of that offense with all of those new pieces. I wonder how he's going to work with with Chris Paul once Chris Paul comes back. Um, Joel, I think there might I I think there's going to be a problem. I don't think that 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 those two are going to work together. Um, am I crazy? 
I think you're crazy. I, I just, I, I think there's going to be a growing, you know, pain here and there, but I don't think it's, overall it's going to be a, a big issue. They but play the same position and do the exact same thing. Okay, but look, he needs to not play 40 minutes a night. He's going to get tired uh, beyond belief by the playoffs. He needs well, to rest. No, at some I get point that, but like, couldn't you just get <laughs> couldn't you just get a backup point guard? Like what? <laughs> Like, I don't know why they didn't believe Chris in that. Yeah, they don't not. believe in backup point guards apparently in Houston. They they refuse to do it last year and do it this year. They retarded. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's crazy. Um, I got I got a, a slightly hot take uh, for everybody. Will Barton, Ooh. sixth man of the year, pretender or contender? No, I think he's, he's. He was a contender last year, I think. So, like, I, I like Will Barton. I, I think Will Barton's a. He's a player, man. The boy can put up buckets. I had a six-man uh, contender too, if they could throw out after you're done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no, no. Throw it out now. Throw it out now. Oh, I, Tyreek Evans is playing really good. Fuck <laughs> like, yeah, he is, man. Holy shit! I'm like, that's what's up. That's what you do. And they just got um. Back Lamar back, so they're just impl- now they're just implementing everything. They just lost today to, to the Pacers and shit, but <laughs> overall, I think that he's been great for them off the bench, and he's definitely now, now like a, a contender for at least for me in uh, six man. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I mean, I feel you there. I mean, I, I love the way Will Barton has played. He's so versatile, man. He can play the two, yeah, he can play he the three. He's great defense. He can shoot the three. He can like he gets you boards. He gets you assists. He gets you steals, he gets you blocks. Like he's just the guy can play ball. Like he's just he's a baller. He's like like he's the guy when you go out on on you know you you go find the local uh, uh, court or you know whatever and and mm-hmm. he's that guy that you don't want to play against. Like you don't want to play against Will Barton because I mean he's gonna score on you. He's gonna guard you. He's gonna block your shots. He's gonna steal you, steal the ball from you, uh, and he doesn't turn the ball over a lot either. Like he's just he's a right. solid, solid player, and he finishes games. He finishes the games for Denver. That has been kind of his role. He comes off the bench, but he finishes the games. Wilson Chandler starts. Right. Barton finishes, and I, I mean, I definitely think uh, he could be the sixth man of the year. I, 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 I think he's got a good shot at it. Um, uh, Jawan, are we crazy? Is Will Barton for the sixth man of the year a far fetched ideal? Um, no. Uh, my six man pick that I picked a few weeks ago is the one that's looking crazy. Uh, you two's pick, especially Tyreek Evans, who I was very high on uh, out of the draft, but he kind of had that rose kind of collapse. Yeah, dip. Um, that that really upset me because I had loved that guy's play. Uh, and I thought he could have always been a really good complement to AD, but never really shaped out that way. Uh, but I completely agree with you, Joel, on that pick. And Will Barton, heck yeah. yeah. Uh, you might, he, he might even be making a, a stance right now that you might even be able to just stamp him in right now as the winner. He's in the lead, probably. Wow. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's almost kind of a hot take. I did. I would have I, I just went with I Eric did, Gordon, but he's he's been starting for like ever now. Fucking Chris Paul. I did <laughs> want to say really quickly, um, 
I told you guys this at the beginning of the – not the beginning of the year when we were discussing the Chris Paul trade, that I didn't think that was a good idea. And you guys were like, well, no, Harden wanted it. You know, they got him for a reason. Yeah. And I said, I, I don't think this works out. One, because Chris Paul does not make you better. Uh, like, he's not going to win you more games because you have him. Uh, he's just a really good guy, a really great guy to have in the regular season. But if you well, go up the against thing is, San he's Antonio, not win that team more games. Right, right. That's like, what I'm that's saying. He's thing. not going to win that yeah, team yeah. more games. So when I look at it, I look but at it like win this. Him a playoff game. One, yeah. when does he ever Joel, won playoff games, Joel? He never has. Well, give him a chance. Has. What the fuck? He's got well, we real give him had like seven chances, man. <laughs> well, I'm saying I'm hot. Hot. I get it. Like, I'm getting hot. But you got hot on me last week, so fuck it. Like anyway, you're crazy. The point I was trying to. Chris Paul's not going to help that fucking team. The point I'm trying to make watch. You're crazy. You're the point I was insane, trying to make thing. was the no, point I was trying saying, to make like, was you got hot at me last week. I'm getting hot right now, but like you're you're you're, you're, you're wrong, That's man. Blasphemy. If you if you look at <laughs> no, I mean I don't think he the, makes the team better. Okay, if you look I mean, at the I way guess. the Rockets are playing now, whatever. If you look at the way the Rockets are playing now, let's say this same Rockets team goes up against a healthy Spurs. The way the Rockets lost last year. Chris Paul doesn't give them an extra game because he's there. If you look at the way that that system rolls, I agree. I agree. But first, I will take the Joel route and say, let's see them together for like a few stretches before you go to that extreme. I I agree. Like a week, right? I don't. (laughs) No, no, I think think you wait until like almost maybe two weeks before the trade deadline. Like, yeah, you, you yeah. wait it up, kind of see how everything's piecing together. You, you you see if everything's working, and if it doesn't work, as is, I don't think it will, um, I think you have to consider trading him. And I I I think there's just so many teams out there who would be sucker enough to fucking give you something really good for him. Um, yeah. And the really crazy do. thing is, if you're Chris Paul, when you come back, even though the Rockets just lost to the Raptors, they've been playing really great, and they've been winning a lot of games. Crazy thing is, Chris Paul comes back tomorrow, and they lose that game. The headline's going to be, should they trade Chris Paul? Is Chris Paul, uh, you know, going to be an that'll, Yeah, well, that'll be the reactionary and, headline, sure. <laughs> right, that'll be the reactionary like, headline. But the crazy thing is, all I'm saying is, when you went out and got so Chris Paul, crazy thing is what the team kept saying is when they when they went out and traded for him was they were looking for a guy that could help take the load off uh off of james harden they didn't say we were looking for that final piece to get us over the hump they know that's not what's going to get them over the hump a healthy james harden a well-rested james harden is what'll get them over the hump chris paul doesn't give you doesn't win you extra games we've seen that in his body in, in his body of work that he's not winning, but his the acquisition game. is a high. He's a high. He's a good. He's a very good player that's going to help no take pressure off of Harden. No one's no one's questioning. That. We're just saying he's not. Yeah, well, you're, to look, put look, you over the hump. I, I'm gonna put this out there for for both of y'all. Don't ever come back to me with weird like I'm gonna trade this player if they barely played for the team. I like good <laughs> cousins and fucking Chris Ball. Don't come back to me with like I'm trading them right away when they barely played a game with these teams. This is the second time you guys do that. 
Yeah, well, but it's also it, – it, let me point this out, Joel, and we, we before – uh, you're not really going to get a retort, which I'm sorry, but we we were limited on time. Uh, but uh, <laughs> both both of those situations happen to be you acquired a player who does the same exact fucking thing as your best player on your team. So like that's the reason why we said that. Like I get what you're saying. But it's still, I totally it's, it's working right now. No, I get like, right that. now. No, and it is bad. it is working in New Orleans. It is. Uh, join us uh, on Sunday. We're going to be talking uh, Punisher. We're going to be talking Justice League. It's going to be great. Uh, thank you for joining us. Adios. Peace. We'll see you in two weeks. Word. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.